NBA on NBC. What is up, everybody? This is Jim Malak, and you're listening to Pot of Fame, the podcast where we break down the careers of former athletes, decide whether or not you're going to call to the hall. On today's special podcast, we are talking about what happened yesterday when it comes to the Hall of Fame, and that is that six new members were elected yesterday by two different veteran committees to be inducted into Cooperstown, along with the rest of the 2021 class. Um, this is a very large veterans committee class, uh, but that's because there was two different uh, committees voting this time around. There's the early baseball air committee and also the golden days air committee. Um, the early baseball air committee, they're voting on any players that played predominantly before 1950, where the golden days air committee is voting on players that played predominantly between 1950 and 1969. So there was two different committees voting this time around. Um, of course, there is, there's still the ballot that needs to be voted on by the end of the year. That will be all of the modern air candidates. But these committees elected six players uh, between the two. There was four Golden Days uh, players elected and two uh, early baseball uh, committee players elected uh, for, of course, a total of six. And in today's podcast, what I'm going to do is I'm first going to go through the results from each of the ballots and talk a little bit about the players that were elected. And then at the very end, I'm just going to quickly touch on some of my quick thoughts, my reactions, because this just happened a few hours ago as I'm recording on a Sunday night. You're listening on Monday morning. Um, this just happened. So just a quick initial thoughts on who got elected as well as um, maybe who didn't and, and you know what I think should have happened, how I thought it was going to play out, because I honestly... I'm sitting here right now, a few hours after learning who's going to be inducted here. I'm, I'm pretty surprised by the number of players um, and also some of the players that are getting in before others, but I will leave that till the end. So first I'm going to cover, you know, who got in from each committee. And then at the end, again, I will give quick thoughts. So let's go first to my thoughts on, or I guess the results of the ballot, who got in and a little bit about those players. All right. So as I said in the intro, uh, I'm going to first go through the players that were elected this year from the early baseball air committee ballot and the golden days air committee ballot. Uh, real quick, though, before I go into those players, a little bit of how this works. So each of those ballots, there's 10 players on each ballot. So 10 on the early baseball air ballot, 10 on the golden days air ballot. There is a 16 person committee for each of those ballots, different committees. OK, uh, made up of of voters of former players executives and each of them are different each of those committee members there's 16 on each they get to vote for up to four players in each ballot and to get in that player needs 12 of the 16 votes or the 75 percent you need you know normally get in so it's always that 75 percent number so that makes it pretty tricky here there's scenarios where no one can get in every year and there's scenarios where a number of players can get in it really is based on how everyone votes. Uh, as I said in the beginning, I'm very shocked by the number of players voted in this year as there was two from the early baseball committee, uh, which is normal. I think that happens quite a bit, but then four from the Golden Days Air Committee, which does not happen much at all. Um, so again, six players got in total. On the early baseball air committee side, again, these are players that played before 1950, um, two players got in and it was Bud Fowler and it was Buck O'Neill. Uh, I'll start with Buck O'Neill because this is someone I thought was going to be a, a shoe in 
Um, Buck O'Neill, to me, is a player that I thought was in the Hall of Fame probably like 40, 30 years ago. I always thought I would have been in the Hall of Fame a very long time ago because to me, he's one of the more influential players in just the history of the game. He's so important to the history of baseball. And when I talk to voters and when I think about Cooperstown, the Baseball Hall of Fame, I always think of, can you tell the story of Major League Baseball um, or just baseball in general uh, uh, without that player? Like, is he an, an important part of baseball history? Can you tell the history without him? And Buck O'Neill, to me, has to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, he's someone who, again, never got to play in the major leagues. He was in the Negro leagues before, of course, Jackie Robinson broke in and he never got his chance to play in major league baseball, but his importance to the history of the game almost after his playing career. So, you know, he was a scout for the, the Chicago Cubs. He found Lou Brock. He found Ernie Banks. Um, he was, he was kind of in baseball for his entire life. Uh, he, was a main reason why the Negro League Baseball Hall of Fame or museum got set up. I'm in Kansas City. He was a main component of that. He there's that famous uh, documentary that I believe came out in '94 when baseball went on strike. So maybe they need to do another one. But Ken Burns' documentary on on baseball. He was the main voice of anything related to Negro League baseball on that documentary, and, and that really gave him exposure to teaching about the game of baseball. Um, you know, since that came out to, to everyone else among, so again, this was a name I was always familiar with Buck O'Neill from the Negro leagues, someone who was always talking about baseball, one of the greatest ambassadors of baseball. And I just assumed he had been put in Cooperstown years ago and he never had. And I know he didn't get in the last time he was on the ballot and it was pretty much a shock. Um, he is no longer with us today. So unfortunately it's, he's getting in after he passes as so many people do. But it was well overdue for Buck O'Neill to be in the Hall of Fame. I thought he was going to be an absolute shoe, and I thought he could actually get um, 100% of the votes this time around. He did not get 100% of the votes, but he got close to, he got 14 of the 16, um, which again, just two people didn't vote for him. But that was someone I thought was going to be um, an automatic shoe in. And, and again, he got in pretty easily. So Buck O'Neill was one of the first players on that um, early, early days ballot Hall of Fame that is in. Um, congratulations, Buck O'Neill and into his, into his family. Um, I know, again, we wish he was here for that, but um, he is finally in. And I think that's the important thing. And I, I do want to correct myself. He got 13 of the 16. I'm sorry, not 14. So 13 to 16. So 81%. And that got him in. The other player to get in is someone, again, just as a part of baseball history, you can't really tell the story of baseball history without him, and that's Bud Fowler, who got 12 of the 16 votes, barely getting in with 75% of the vote. Now, Bud Fowler is someone I can't pretend to know a, a ton about, because when I talk about he's a pioneer of baseball, he, he's a pioneer of baseball. He was born in 1858 um, and, and passed away in 1913. And he was someone um, who, why is he important in baseball history? He was the first um, African-American baseball player in the history of baseball. So, of course, you think of Jackie Robinson immediately. And, and that is the first person to play in Major League Baseball when it 
I, I would say it was more formally Major League Baseball when he broke in 1947. But way before that, Bud Fowler came in um, dating back into the 1870s, and he was the very first African-American to play in baseball. And he played, again, when his first official game was, I, I read stuff that he played his first game um, when he was 14 years old. If you go to baseball reference, they first start showing him playing um, in 1878. But wherever day you want to put it, he was the very first African-American to play um, in baseball. Again, statistically, there's not much data to back anything he, he did in baseball. If you go to his uh, baseball reference, there's only a few years that actually show statistics. Show he batted 322 in 1890. But again, that's not really the point of this. The point is that he was the first African-American in baseball history, one of the earliest baseball players and, uh, you know, when MLB Network was releasing the coverage and I was watching it, I learned because I did not know this about Bud Fowler. He did not use a glove. He caught everything with his bare hands. So that again, that is where we're talking about in terms of baseball history, where Bud Fowler comes into play. I know I do want to look into more into his career just because, again, this is someone I did not know much about um, until I saw he was on the ballot this year and I started diving deeper into it. But again, in terms of significance in baseball history, uh, first African-American player in, in, to ever play baseball, um, I, I think that's a, a significant part of the history of the game where, where he should be in it. So uh, Bud Fowler, if you didn't know the name before, again, do not feel bad. I did not know him either, but he was the first African-American or in, in organized baseball. He's, he's said to have played for a number of years. Um, and again, statistics here really do not matter. Uh, he was five foot seven. He weighed about 155 pounds and he did not use a mitt. So um, take it for what's with look into Bud Fall if you don't know much about him. I know I will be reading to him, but he was the first person, um, or I'm sorry, the second person on that early baseball ballot that got in at 75% of the vote. So Bud Fowler and Buck O'Neill were the two people coming from that ballot. Now, if you look at who else got votes, um, Vic Harris got 10 votes. So he got 62.5% of the, the vote. Allie Reynolds got six votes. So 37.5% of the vote left field dual got five votes, 31.3% of the vote. And George scales got four votes, 25% of the vote grant home run Johnson, Dick Redding and Bill Dolan, who, who I actually did a podcast with, or with Adam Dorowski from baseball references with on last week. Um, they did not even get four votes. So they got less than four votes. They actually don't show what they got, but they were off. And, um, and that kind of rounds up the ballot. So again, no one was a vote off. Vic Harris was close with 10, but Buck O'Neill and Bud Fowler were the two that got in from early baseball. Um, I do not have episodes on either of them, but I do encourage you to check out, you know, the bios and the history of both of them. Cause again, Buck O'Neill, I was quite familiar with just because of all of his work he did after he retired for baseball and honestly me being shocked he wasn't in already. And then Bud Fowler is someone I honestly just recently learned about um, when I saw his name on this ballot. And it's someone I do want to learn more about just because again, his place in history is monumental. And now he will, he will have a plaque in Cooperstown as he should. So super happy for the families of Bud Fowler and Buck O'Neill. Again, neither of them are going to be able to accept, uh, you know, their induction to the hall of fame on the day, but, they are getting in. Their family will be there. Um, 
So that is exciting for all of them. So congratulations. Now, as for the Golden um, Days Air Committee uh, and that ballot. So again, they had four players from that ballot in the Hall of Fame. There's Minnie Minoso, who we did a podcast with a few weeks ago. Very happy he got, and he actually did get 14 of the 16 votes. So he got the most votes out of anyone. Um, I was honestly not sure if he was going to get in this year. So I'm very happy that he got in easily with 14 of the 16. Uh, Gil Hodges got in with 12 votes. So he got 75% exactly. Jim Cott got 12 votes exactly. So he got 75% of the vote. And then uh, Tony Olivia Oliva got 12 uh, 12 votes as well, and he got 75% of the vote. And you might be thinking Dick Allen did not get in. Um, he was someone I think a lot of us thought was a sure thing this time around. Dick Allen did not get in 11 votes, 68.8% of the vote. I will talk about him um, after I go through the players that got in first. I want to start on a, on a happy note here. So Minnie Minoso, I'm not going to talk much about him because I did an hour podcast about Minnie Minoso. And again, that was also with Adam Dorowski from uh, Sports Reference. Really enjoyed that podcast. Go listen to it. Uh, if you really want to learn about his career, we go in depth about you know, why he's been overlooked for over the years, uh, why we think he should have been in years ago, how he was a trailblazer and how he was really the first great Latino star in baseball and, and how Latino players that came up over the years, including Tony, uh, who was getting voted in with him, which is awesome. Uh, they looked up to him as, you know, their Jackie Robinson. He, he was, again, the first star. If he could do it, they could do it. Um, so he's like that level player. But he was also just an excellent, you know, baseball player. He was top five in MVP vote several years. He could really do everything on the baseball field um, better than, than most. You know, he wasn't, I think the one thing we said was why he wasn't in already. Uh, was he just, you know, he didn't dominate any certain area of the game, but he was above average in everything. You know, he hit doubles, triples, home runs. He drove in runs. He stole bases. He was an excellent outfielder winning three gold gloves, but there was never anything. He was like the very best at. he was just extremely good at everything. But other than that, he seemed like he should be a shoe in hall of famer. I think people are appreciating more and more now, which is probably why he got 14 to 16 votes that, you know, he got a, a, a late start to his career because um, he started his career in the Negro Leagues. Baseball, you know, Jackie Robinson came in and then, you know, Minnie followed a few years later after that. But he was kind of kept out of Major League Baseball for probably a good five or six years that really hurt his career stats. Um, you know, Adam and I go into that and maybe what he would have produced if he would have got into the majors, you know, when he was 19 years old, because when he did finally break in, he was number four in MVP voting, like his very first full season, which again shows he was ready and prime for Major League Baseball years before, but he was kept out because of the way baseball was back then, um, not letting players of color in, which again is a, an unfortunate part of the history of baseball, but something that we all have to acknowledge and appreciate. And again, he should have been in years ago, like a Buck O'Neill. Um, I'm super happy he's in today. He again, unfortunately passed away. So his family will be there um, when, when his day comes to get inducted. But Minnie Minoso, super happy about him. But again, listen to that podcast if you want to know more. I'll go into a lot more detail during that podcast. Um, for the other three, um, let's start with Jim Cott. So Jim Cott, someone I always, as I 
I was always looking to maybe do an episode on Jim. I never got around to it, but he's a very fascinating Hall of Fame candidate. I can totally see why he got in. Um, 283 career wins, so just 17 shy from the 300 number, which we all associate as an automatic Hall of Famer. But 237 losses, so he won a lot, he lost a lot. Uh, 3.45 ERA, I think that's very solid for a, a player that pitched. Um, in the in the AL for a good portion of his career. 50.5 wars, a little low for a pitcher, which I think probably hurts him. Uh, three-time all-star. So he wasn't in the, you know, wasn't an all-star. He wasn't like the ace pitcher all the time. But he was a 16-time gold glove winner. And that's what always stood out to me. 16-time gold glove winner. That is the second or tied for second most gold gloves in MLB history. Number one's Greg Maddox, of course, in the Hall of Fame for Reasons besides winning 18 gold gloves, but still Greg Max, number one. And then it's Jim Cott and it's Brooks Robinson with 16 gold gloves. Um, so, so that's the kind of company he's keeping. Probably one of the best fielding pitchers of all time. He led the, we, uh, the league in wins in 1966 with 25 wins. But he was a guy, again, was never really the ace. He was more of the two guy, more of the three guy. But he played 25 years in major league baseball. So he just accumulated a ton of stats here. If you look to, you know, he pitched in a different time. He pitched from 1959 to 1983. He pitched 180 complete games, 31 career shutouts. But again, he, he was never, you know, he never won a Cy Young. Um, you know, when I look at his individual seasons, the, the, the year he led the league in wins in 1966 to 25, you know, he finished fifth in MVP voting that year, uh, but he never had another top 10 MVP finish. He finished top five in Cy Young's once in 1975. Is actually a member of the Chicago White Sox when he went 20 and 14 with a 3.1 ERA. But he was someone I think people looked at. His peak wasn't great enough. He played a very long time, but he never got to those really nice numbers like 300 wins or 3,000 strikeouts. He had 2,461 strikeouts, which again, over 25 seasons isn't the most impressive, um, but he was a guy who just consistently pitched for, again, 25 seasons. And, and I think the 16 gold gloves probably got him over the hump, as well as the 283 wins, which, again, is a, a, a solid number of wins. But, again, if you look at when he was on the bout, he's on the bout all 15 years from 1989 to 2003. Um, the most, the highest percentage he ever got was in 93 with 29.6% of the vote. So he never really even got close in terms of the voters when he was on the regular ballot to actually get in, but he is now a hall of famer after this. And again, if you look at his war, his, his analytics, I'm actually quite surprised he got in now, as opposed to earlier, because analytics wise to the war geeks out there, he's nowhere near a hall of fame pitcher, you know, an average hall of fame pitcher, 73.5 career war, Jim Cotts, again, 50.5. His peak, 38.1 over seven years. A Hall of Fame pitcher is 50. And then his jaws is 44.3. A Hall of Fame pitcher averages 61.7. So again, he's nowhere near, in terms of analytically, a Hall of Famer. And then the three All-Star games, it's just not great when you're thinking of someone who should be in Cooperstown. But again, 283 career wins, 3.45 career ERA, and then 16-time gold glover. It's a very interesting case. Would I vote Jim Cotton? 
I think I would have if I did an episode just because the 16 gold gloves. I think that shows something that's unique. Um, Brooks Robinson, him and Greg Maddox are 16 gold glove club. Um, that combined with some of these stats that are near those kind of golden numbers to 300 wins, things like that. I think that would push him over the edge, but he's super borderline. I'm actually pretty surprised he got in, but Jim Cott is a Hall of Famer. So congratulations to him. He is um, alive today, so he will. He's 83, so he will um, more likely than not be there for his induction ceremony next year. So hopefully he continues to have good health and is there next year, but it's really good to see him getting elected in um, while he is still alive and he can be um, on the podium. Now, one of his teammates in Minnesota, again, as I said earlier, is in, and that's Tony Oliva, who um, played for the Minnesota Twins with Jim Cott for a number of years and is in Cooperstown now um, as the third player elected um, with 12 of the 16 votes from the Golden Days Committee. So Tony is someone who has a very unique Hall of Fame case, again, like his teammate, War-wise, analytically-wise, doesn't look great. Um, 43 career war, um, that's going to be very low when you're looking at um, players in the Hall of Fame that played right field. Uh, 72.1 is the career average for a Hall of Famer. 43 is obviously about 30 wins lower. But his peak is where he gets close. His peak war over a seven-year stretch is 38.6. Players in the Hall of Fame that are right fielders, 42.5. And that peak that we're talking about is why he's in today. Because when he came into the league with Minnesota, he won um, back-to-back biting, batting titles in 1964 and 1965, where he batted 323 in 1964 and then 321 in 1965. And he finished fourth in the MVP in 64, second in the MVP in 65, and then sixth in the MVP in 1966. And then he kind of had a run a few years later when he hit the age of 30 in Minnesota um, where he finished 15th in MVP voting 69 second in 1970 and won his third batting title. And then 1971 finished 10th in MVP voting. So he played from the age of 23 to uh, 37. So 15 years in major league baseball, but he only had 6,880 plate appearances, 6,301 at bats. So he got very few at bats. So he led the league in hitting five times doubles four times and batting average three times. So he won three batting titles, but he only had that many plate appearances and he didn't even get to 2000 hits, 1,917 hits. And when I was looking at the numbers, I was shocked by that, you know, three batting titles led the league in hits five different times, but didn't even get to 2000 hits and 2000 hits is kind of that, that number that a lot of voters look at, but I look at the 304 career batting average and I go, okay, well, you know, at his peak, he's, he's above a 300 hitter. He's leading the league in hits. He just didn't get as many plate appearances as, you know, a lot of other players. Like, again, Jim Cott was a pitcher, but Jim Cott played 25 years. Uh, Tony here only played 15. A uh, bit of a difference there. You know, would I, he's an eight-time All-Star too. So, you know, he just had a string of All-Star appearances from 1964 to 1971, where he was in the All-Star game every year for the AL. So again, that kind of recognition just year in, year out, Tony's going to be in the hall or in the, the all-star game. He's winning batting titles. He's batting well over 300. He's a lot, you know, a lot of extra base hits, 329 career doubles, 220 career home runs. 
I get he's I get him being in the Hall of Fame. I don't think I would have voted him in. Um, but I totally get it. The peak is there. Uh, voters a lot of the times when they're they're voting on the actual ballot, um, the peak gets overlooked. It seems like the committees usually correct that. I think that's what happened here. But again, this is someone who the highest percentage you ever got was in 1988 with 47.3% of the vote. Uh, he was on the ballot 15 years from 82 to 96. 47% is the highest he ever got, way off of the 75%. Um, but again, he is in, in now today. Um, so congratulations to Tony and Jim, two teammates getting it, and both of them are alive. So that is great that they will both be there at the induction ceremony uh, to get their plaques. Now, the final member of that Golden Days Air um, election so the, the fourth guy to get in is actually the most surprising, someone I didn't think had any kind of chance of getting in this year, and that is Gil Hodges, um, former Dodger, who gets in with, again, 12 of 16 votes. And Gil Hodges, um, you know, eight-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glover, uh, won two World Series with the Dodgers, the, the Brooklyn Dodgers teams, um, some of those famous teams, including that 55 Dodgers team he was a part of. He also played for the Mets his final two years. But this is a guy who, again, analytically doesn't really look like he should be in the Hall of Fame. 43.9 uh, career war, um, which, again, is going to be much lower than the average Hall of Famer. So if you're looking at first baseman, the average Hall of Famer, 66.9 career war. He's at 43.9. Even peak war. The average Hall of Famer for a first baseman, 42.7. He's 33.7. And then Jaws, the average Hall of Famer, 54.8. Gil Hodge is 38.8. Um, he was a guy that hit a good amount of home runs, 370 in his career. Uh, drove in a good amount of RBIs, 1,274. Um, and bat batted 273 for his career, so nothing bad about that. But he, the thing about Gil Hodges for me, is he was never even close to, I think, being one of the best players in baseball. He was top 10 in MVP voting three times. The highest he ever finished was in 1957 when he finished seventh. He had 27 home runs that year with a 98 RBIs and a 299 batting average. Uh, and I think being a part of some of those famous Brooklyn Dodgers teams helped him. I mean, he played in seven different World Series, so that gives you a lot of, of ex exposure, I guess, on the national lever level. I just never thought he was one of the best players on any of those Dodgers teams. Um, he's not one of the first people I think of on those Dodgers teams. Uh, they also played in Ebbets Field, which is um, a hitter's ballpark. So right field, like corner right field is under 300 feet. I think center field was under 400 feet. It was a hitter's ballpark. So those 370 home runs, uh, you know, I don't know if he gets near that number in another ballpark. His OPS plus is 120. Uh, so that kind of shows, you know, when adjusted port for the ballpark, you know, 120 is fine, but it's, it's not really where you normally see a hall of fame first baseman. And again, when I look at his best seasons, you know, he had two or two seasons where he had over 40 home runs. So I think I would kind of point to those, but I just don't think he did it long enough. Um, he's another guy with under, you know, 2,000 hits, 1,921. Again, that was not penalized for um, Tony. Mini barely broke over it. So they were really like voters this time around were really overlooking that. But with all of that in combined with kind of his advanced metrics, 
You know, his career batting average is 273, on-base percentage 359, slugging 46 with that 120 OPS. Just didn't really scream a Hall of Famer, and I'll get to in a second, but compared to some of these other players, uh, I thought he maybe uh, should have waited a little longer. So I probably would have voted a no for Gil Hodges this time around. But still, congratulations to him and his family. Um, I'm not ever going to get upset about someone being in the Hall of Fame. I think uh, you look at both these ballot, the 10 players on the early um, baseball ballot, the 10 players in the Golden Age ballot, all of these people have a case for the Hall of Fame. I could have done episodes on all of these players. And again, I'm, I'm never going to bash someone with, who's an eight-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion saying this guy can't be in the Hall of Fame. It's, it's wrong for him to be Hall of Fame. Never would say that. Gil Hodges, congratulations to his family. Um, he is getting the Hall of Fame um, as a, you know, a former Dodger, one of those great Dodgers, along with Jackie Robinson, Roy Campanella, um, Pee Wee Reese. Again, those are the names I'm thinking of from those Dodgers teams, but I'm sure there's plenty of people that think of those Dodgers teams and think of Gil Hodges. So for those people that are big Gil Hodges fans, think you should be in the Hall of Fame, congratulations to all of you. All right, so now that I've talked about the six players that got in, let me just give you my initial reactions to these six players as well as maybe who didn't get in and, and how I think maybe should have played out. All right, so my quick thoughts on everything that happened. Um, real quick, actually, before, just so everyone hears all the names, I want to give everyone their proper time. The Golden Days air ballot, the complete one, because I went through the early baseball one. Uh, Minnie Minoso got 14 votes. Uh, Gil Hodges got 12 votes. Jim Cott got 12 votes. And Tony Oliva got 12 votes. So they four got in. 12 of 16 was needed. They all passed. Dick Allen got 11 votes again. This happened last time he was on the ballot, so he missed it by one. And then Ken Boyer, Roger Maris, Danny Murtaugh, Billy Pierce, and Mari Wills got less than four votes. So that's how it was able to get four people in. That many people got less than four votes. It was really Dick Allen and then those other four. Everyone else, no one was really voting for. So... My main two thoughts coming from this is the committees ignored war this time around or just didn't really care about war or didn't want to look at war. Um, and they didn't care about MVP awards because when you look at the early baseball committee ballot, uh, Bill Dalen, who we did a podcast on last week, had 75.2 career war. That's the highest war, not in player war, not in the Hall of Fame today. That's not Pete Rose or tied to steroids. So, um, again, I thought he should probably get in this time around. He did not, and he didn't even get four votes. So that means he wasn't even considered. Um, so war definitely didn't matter anything to that committee. And then the Golden Days Air Committee, Ken Boyer and Dick Allen were one and two in terms of that bout in war. Ken Boyer with a 62.8 career war, Dick Allen with a 58.7 career war. Minnie Minoso was third on that ballot with a 53.8 career war. Jim Cott was 50.5 and Tony was at 43 and Gil Hodges at 43.9. So, um, I mean, Minnie was third, Jim was fifth, Tony was sixth and Gil was seventh in war. So war did really not mean the, the, uh, voters can, I mean, Dick Allen almost got in with 11, but Ken Boyer didn't even get four votes. He had 62.8 war. So Again, the top guys in war on each committee's ballot did not get elected 
and it actually didn't even get four votes. So war definitely didn't matter. And we're talking about MVPs. Ken Boyer, MVP, um, did not even get four votes. Dick Allen, MVP, got 11 of 16, but didn't get in. Um, and then Roger P- Maris, uh, MVP, two-time MVP, didn't even get four votes. Uh, Mari Wills, MVP, didn't even get four votes. Uh, all the other players I named who got in, uh, again, Minoso, Jim, Tony, Gill, um, and then Buck and Bud, none of those guys won MVP awards. So winning an MVP award or double for Maris does not help your case in this against in this ballots and these committees. War didn't seem to really matter. Uh, so I thought that was very interesting. Um, I will say in terms of like who got in and who didn't, again, I'm never going to argue like Buck O'Neill, I thought should definitely get in no matter what. I thought it was going to be Buck um, and Dalen. It turned out to be Buck and Bud Fowler. Again, Bud Fowler is not someone I knew much about. I think his election's excellent. And I think more players from Negro League history, as well as just um, African-American baseball players, need to be in because I think they were extremely overlooked for a number of years. And as Adam Dorowski and I talked about in the last two episodes, uh, more and more of their stories are coming out. Their data, like the Negro League data is putting put in baseball reference more and more, so we know more about what they did. But I think a number of players from Negro League baseball air need to be in here. So people like George Scales, um, people like Josh Donaldson, I think they all have great cases as well, and maybe we'll get in eventually. But I can't really argue with Buck O'Neill. Um, I can't really argue with Bud Fowler. I just, Bill Dalen not even getting four votes when he does his 75.2 career war is shocking to me. And then like on the Golden Days era ballot, Dick Allen not getting in um, is, is wild to me. Um, I think out of everyone, he seemed to be a shoo-in, even above Minnie Minosa, who I think should, again, should have been 30 or 40 years ago. But, you know, Dick Allen, 156 career OPS plus. Um, that blows anyone else on either of the ballots completely out of the water. I mean, Tony's next with 131. Minnie Minoso's 130. Gil Hodges, um, 120. I mean, I, I, I guess I the Gil Hodges thing really throws me off in that terms. Like, he's nowhere near the hitter Dick Allen it was. I mean, he had more home runs and more RBIs. But if you look at, um, you know, if you look at stuff like slugging percentage, I mean, 534 compared to 47 on base percentage. And then that OPS plus, I mean, Dick Allen is the elite hitter there. And I don't even think it's really that close. You throw in the MVP award um, in the war. And I'm, I'm pretty shocked that like, Hodges got in over Allen. Minoso, again, I thought should have got in. I'm really happy he got in. And then, again, I'm not going to be mad about any of those. Cot, I'm kind of on the fence on. Um, Tony, can totally see why he gets in. Not, I guess I'm just shocked four players got in. They, I, I don't know if the committee... <laughs> the committee doesn't like collude or anything like that, but to maybe not give even four votes to like a Ken Boyer. A Ken Boyer not getting four votes while he has an MVP award and he has the highest war out of anyone on that ballot from not even four votes. That's kind of shocking to me. Um, and then Roger Maris, like, I don't know how I feel about Roger Maris. I really have to think about it. Like he's probably one of the most famous person on that ballot because of the 61 season, the back-to-back MVP awards being on those Yankee teams. 
but he really doesn't have the career numbers to back it up. So, you know, him not getting four votes, some people I saw were like shocked by that. I mean, he's been up before. He doesn't really get that close to it. I, I think that they're kind of getting it right there. Uh, I will say that Gil Hodges over a Ken Boyer or a Dick Allen really surprises me. And what's even more surprising, and this is where really the committees, like who is, um, who's on those committees because it does get change up all the time, really does matter so much. So in 2014, that's the last time the Golden Air Committee voted. Um, Dick Allen got 11 that time around. Um, Tony got 11 that time around. Jim Cott got 10. Minoso only got eight. But Gil Hodges got three or fewer. So in 2014, when this error was being voted again, Dick Allen got 11, like he did this time again. Gil Hodges got three or fewer. And somehow now, Gil Hodges is getting 12, and Dick Allen's still stuck at 11. All these players that got elected this year had fewer than Dick Allen last time around, and Dick stuck at 11, and they're all getting in. Now, again, I'm super glad Cott um, and Tony are getting in because – they're still alive. It's awesome. When uh, I've said too many times on this podcast, players pass away right before they could get inducted. Um, Ron Sano, obviously, is a Cub. As a Cubs fan, that's someone I always think about. But I'm really glad they could get elected. So if that's what we're trying to push, get them in now while they're alive. Dick Allen, unfortunately, just passed away recently. So get them in while they're alive, and we'll get Dick Allen in the next cycle. Maybe that's what's happening here. But I am pretty shocked by Gil Hodges over Tony Allen. So that is my initial initial reactions there. Again, when you look at all of these candidates, they're all, they all should be on the ballot. Um, I think a good amount of them will get in over the years. But I think, my, again, my biggest shockers are that war was completely ignored. For the most part, MVP awards were pretty ignored here. Um, and then the fact that Dick Allen didn't get in and Gil Hodges gotten over him. Uh, again, congratulations to Gil Hodges, his family, and any Dodgers fans. That's great. But I really can't look at Dick Allen as a hitter. And in Gil Hodges is a hitter and say Gil Hodges was better than Dick Allen. The numbers don't really show that anyone you talk to in baseball, I think it's going to be few and far between that tell you that. So, um, and the fact that Dick Allen just missed last time, Gil Hodges was nowhere near getting on. And now Gil Hodges is in and Dick Allen's still stuck at 11. It's all very confusing to me. Uh, again, different player, different voters every time it's, there's only, Four votes each voter can do. You need 12 of 16. It's pretty tough. So, I, you know, I, I guess I'll just be happy that four people got in from that ballot, two from the other. Six total. It's a huge class. It'll be interesting to see who else joins um, when the, the final votes are tallied in. You know, if no one gets voted in this year, um, which, again, just happened, um, then at least we have six players going in and two that are alive. So, Worst case scenario, we still have six players coming in, but I, I do think someone will get elected this time around, but we will have to wait and see. Um, so that's my initial reaction to, to what happened yesterday. Again, some of these players, we have episodes on, so Mini Minoso, Bill Dalen, Mini got in, Bill's not in. Go check those out, listen to hear more about them. A lot of the players on these ballots that didn't get in, I probably will be doing episodes in the next couple of years, so be on the lookout for those. But someone like a Bud Fowler that I don't even know that much about that I'll continue to learn more about, I encourage you to go check out. You know, There's plenty of information online about these plays you can read about. Go check them out. Um, but again, I'm happy for Twins fans out there, um, for Cott and for Tony. Um, happy for Dodgers fans with Hodges. 
really happy for White Sox fans with Minoso because he was a long time coming. And then, you know, the Negro League Baseball Museum and all the people that are doing a ton of great work researching those players more, finding out more um, of the data behind, you know, when they played, what their statistics were. Um, the more and more we learn about those players, I think the more and more we understand, hey, a lot of these players deserve in Cooperstown. Two got in this time around, so that's excellent. And then six in total, that's always great to see. So, again, I'm happy with the results. I'm very shocked by a few um, things that happened here. But, again, six players getting in from these two committees is great. Super happy to see that. So that's all I have for you today. Um, kept it pretty short for the most part for these. Just want to give those reactions out. Uh, if you don't already, follow us on, on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And again, we will be back with a regular episode next Monday on a baseball candidate coming up for the modern air ballot, seeing whether or not you know they will get the 75% they need to join these six players on that 20, 2022 um, inductee list. So thank you for listening. Have a great week. I'm going to take care.